The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Joey, it's that time of year where we're not to Christmas yet, but Christmas music has come on. I got to be honest, man. I'm just, I love a little Christmas tunes. I'm, I'm listening again. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You fell into that? Like you, I love it. You're, you're I, I, don't, there. I don't like the, I don't like the hip hop, not hip hop, but the like, the new age. I like the traditional holiday classics. But, but you're talking about before Thanksgiving. Yeah, you're already, you're there. You're already there. I'm, my wife's won't put lights on the house. Oh man, I, I just can't do it. I can't bring myself. I, I gotta wait until the proper time and I, I this this month's all about giving thanks okay yeah that's that's what we should be about yeah but but think about this if you have to get all your um holiday garb out right <laughs> like why not start early like, get some enjoyment and can, i gotta make a little confession on here <laughs> i never took down the um <laughs> the lights on all my evergreen theories outside <laughs> Those babies still on. And, and you, you, don't, you can't see them anymore anymore because the tree has grown, continue to grow. So now I, my, my wife's always like, you know, like, Russ, when you, when, you, when you put the lights on the trees, make it look like it's glowing from, in, you know, from inside the tree. Like, you know, she hates it. I just wrap around it. She says, no, I yeah. want that. I want it. Like, push it in there. Like, I've done that now. Like, it oh. is. Is locked in. I will say the amount of energy it takes to get all that stuff put up. I, I don't blame you for putting it up early. And you may be, you may be making a convert out of me. Well, here, here's the thing. The reason I bring that up, like it's, it's like taking you back to the oldies, but goodies. I think that that's what today's podcast is about, where we're talking about how do you prepare for a potential economic collapse? And really what we're talking about is a lot of the basic steps that we should be doing. So if you haven't done these things, this is the basics. This is the things that you need to be doing so that you could be prepared, whether it's a collapse or pre- be prepared, as JD said in the call, for an opportunity. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of practical takeaways in this episode. And uh, I think after the fact, the feedback was, wow, there's some really specific things I can go do right now. And by the way, what better time than before the collapse? to go ahead and take advantage of some of these hacks and these things that will help you be in position whenever it does happen. You need to be assessing all risk, constantly do a SWOT analysis on yourself, on the business, maybe even for your work. Like we had some conversations after the fact that was recorded in the Q and a where someone brought up the point. Well, what if I am, what if I'm fired during this? How do I prepare myself for that? I think that that's something you need to be considering is what would those next steps be? And as you said, going ahead being proactive for yes. that, because I think there's so many opportunities, but so many of us just are reactive in our approach. We just allow busyness to prevent us from being what we want to be, which is 
good investors, right? Like we said, right. there's no good or bad investments. There's only good and bad investors. Today's a good opportunity for you to get refreshed on some things that maybe you should be doing so that you can go out and take proactive action to be a good investor. So Joey, without further ado, let's jump into this podcast and belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so that you can more easily understand them, and more importantly, take action. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of follow-through guy didn't sound nearly as cool to me, but this isn't about me. <laughs> this is about taking action. So let me introduce you first to my co-host, the Italian Stallion. And he's got the license plate pro cover to prove it, Mr. Joey Murray. Stallion, good afternoon. Man, so glad to be here. I'm glad you're a winner, Russ. <laughs> I am a winner because I'm wearing my Atlanta Braves hat. Yes, sir. I mean, it's I, been a long I, time. I was, I was a part of the the thing. I heard them. They were they were saying we wouldn't have gotten here without our fans. Well, sure. Absolutely. They have to say that every team has to say that. I went to a game. They lost, but I went. <laughs> Glad you missed the last one. And, and I was, yeah, I was going to go to the game five that they would have lost. So, I mean, I saved myself 2,500 bucks and driving home at three o'clock at night. Joey, let, let, yes. let's get off. Let's get off the Braves right now. We can okay. talk about the Braves later. Tell us how we can take action on today's topic. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I feel like we're talking about an absolute economic collapse opposite of being world champions in baseball, right? The total opposite. And what I'm saying, like my very first take on this is you got to swim upstream. You know, I like to quote one of my favorite, my favorite movies of all time. I want to, I want to swim upstream like the salmon of Capistrano. Okay. And that's what I'm calling you to do is, Think differently. If everybody's going downhill, going down the, the river, swim upstream, that's that's where you're going to be safer. It, but there's not a bear standing at the top of that stream trying to catch him. You literally took the words out of my mouth. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's, I, I let's just say the bear channel. was going down the river, okay? <laughs> the bears are downstream catching them as they come. That's right. There's more going down than going up. I'm with you. All right. Well, thankfully, we're not sitting at this table alone, Stallion. We're joined by the dream team of financial coaches. To my left, Mr. Incredible. His superpower is speed to financial freedom. And the real beauty is that speed is contagious. My man, J.D. Hill. Say hello to your friends and fans, J.D. Hey, hey, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for y'all. Uh, so thank you. Um, I've always wanted to say that. That's what it feels like. Um, mm. No, really, I, I am. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited to talk about this topic today. Uh, I think it's something that's being talked about a lot right now. Um, and I think it's being talked about from a place of trying to sell people something rather than giving people applicable steps, which is what we're going to go through today. 
And uh, so that really, really excites me because we're not going to try to position this as doom and gloom, but rather practical application uh, of what you can really do in order to, to prepare for an economic collapse. And, um, and so my first take on this, you know, it's interesting as we were talking about this yesterday is, you know, uh, hopefully you're preparing for an economic collapse the same way that you're preparing for an economic boom. Mm. Right. I don't necessarily know if anything really needs to be different. Um, and so I'm excited to get into that. Mm, I love that. Well, to your right, a true financial Sherlock Holmes of our day, no problem too difficult to solve. If I would have only known you earlier, bro, I would be so much richer. Everybody say hello to Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. Nice to see you, Ernie. Howdy, howdy. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you guys. Russ kind of feels like 95 out here. Hey, look, I, I like 95. 95 is a good year. That was that was my graduation year. 21. 21. I mean, I, I, I was celebrating the the Braves the other night with you know, our, our, our office accountant and realizing that he wasn't even born the last time. <laughs> <laughs> he has never like, yeah. You don't even really know, do you? I was, I was thinking about Atlanta sports and, and thinking about this economic collapse conversation and just thinking we should definitely handle this like the Atlanta Braves and not like the Atlanta Falcons playing in the second half of a Super Bowl. And definitely not like the Georgia Bulldogs play the second half against Alabama. Mm. Yeah. It's just pitiful. I have spoken like a true uh, Atlanta, you know, hometown guy there. You, you get a lot of wounds. You got to work out, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, it's a good year for this. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but glad to be from Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, typically the, the saying around Atlanta is go Braves and take the Falcons with them. Right. Um, but I'll throw you out like we threw the thrashers. <laughs> well, I, here I, you, you brought up a good point a second ago, though, JD, is that we need to prepare for an economic collapse the same way we're preparing for an economic boom. And and there is, you know, I, I, I don't remember who said it. I can't quote him, unfortunately. But I remember one time I was listening to a talk and the guy said, hey, look, there is no good or bad news. It's only news. It's how you are prepared to to be impacted by the news that exists is whether or not it'll be good or bad for you, right? And I do think that there's times where we can be preparing for opportunities that come from collapse. I mean, there's a lot of people right now in our community who have been stacking cash in their life insurance policies for the last several years, building up their war chest, if you will, and they're, they're one economic collapse away from being a major real estate investor. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people right now that, that says, you know, I'm just, I'm just one good downturn away from, from being a, a major real estate investor. And, and that may be true, right? That may be where you sit, that you, you're, you've been sitting on the slot, sidelines or you've been building up opportunities to get yourself in position, but you've been hesitant. And I can understand that. At the same time, that we don't want to get over our skis, right? We don't want to get too far out in front of ourselves to where if something happens, that we would be so negatively impacted by that, that it would drastically change our direction. So let's talk tactical here. Let's talk about ways that we can prepare for the economic collapse. We don't know what that's going to look like. None of us are smart enough to know when that's going to happen. There's been a lot of us that have been predicting it for many, many, many years, right? But tactically, Ern, 
how can one start to prepare themselves? Well, not too long ago, I got a, a, a dangerous disease that's going around our country. And it, thinking about this topic made me think about that. Um, thankfully, I'm thankful to the Lord and I have a big, a big go at it. But I'm also thankful that going into it, I was pretty healthy. And I think if we go into something like an economic collapse and, and we're pretty healthy, I think we got a better shot of coming out the back end and even looking for opportunities in the midst of that event. So number one, I think that's not very tactical, but I think to frame this a little bit, in what ways can we improve our financial health so that we're best prepared for something like that, but, and also be prepared to take advantage. And I think the number one thing is having access to cash. First, the cash reserve, not only for your family, but also for your business. And then number two, having an opportunity fund ready to deploy when opportunities present themselves. Well, and I, I love your analogy of health because, you know, sometimes people believe that they're healthy, but they don't really, they haven't taken the time to define that, or they're working off of an improper definition of what healthy means. And they're kind of shocked later that to find out that maybe what they were doing was not actually getting them uh, to their, you know, optimal health. I think what we could do today, like what you just did is, is start to define financial health, right? And what you just said, access to cash being primary. Russ and I have told you over and over, because we've, we've, we've heard this from so many people, is access to cash is the number one reason people are not financially free. They've been told they're doing all the right things, to use that same analogy, uh, putting money in 401ks, paying down debt, building up equity in their house, and yet they have no access to cash. So opportunities pass by them constantly. So yeah, what what further do you guys think would be to define that health? Well, for, first, I gotta, I mean, Ernie threw out something and he never came back to it. You said you had a financial disease that many of us had, like you didn't define what that disease was, or maybe oh, I missed I, it. It wasn't a financial no, disease. It was, a, it was a health disease. It was a health disease. That we called coronavirus. Ah, okay. All right. That's what I was speaking of. And okay. and very thankfully, again, thankful that I had a minor, minor, minor deal with it. Okay. And, uh, and, and thankful also that I was pretty healthy going into it. Reflecting that out, say, all right, how can I prepare myself for a financial downturn? Okay. I just want to make sure I clarified that, at least for myself, but everybody else probably understood exactly what you were saying. But Joey, to your point is like having a definition of whatever, what financial health really looks like, right? Because here's the thing. I think the purpose of this podcast in our community as a whole is, is to hopefully transform us from a mindset of wealth without Wall Street is possible, right? I mean, because there's so many of us that have lived in a life where we did not control our destiny, or at least we didn't feel like we could control our destiny. We felt like the only way that I can go on my vacations and, and enjoy just a piece of my life is that if I just keep going to work in an area that maybe I don't feel called to do, but it's the place that pays me, right? So the right. transformation that this podcast is intended to have is to unlock our mindset, to give us a healthy mindset. First and foremost, right? Sometimes the, the first step I would believe in having 
a healthy financial situation is having a healthy mindset, a, a clear picture of what the future has. And we, when you join our community, the first step, right? The first step in our process is to go through a clarity piece, is to take our passport challenge. It's a whole objective is to get you and your spouse, if you have one, on the same team. Because really, a lot of times, I think people are, are not working in the same directions. They're literally pulling um, on the opposite end of the rope and never getting off center. Right. So what, what are some ideas in your mind, J.D., of how someone can start to build tactically a healthy situation? Yeah, um, you know, I can certainly speak from experience on this in that, uh, you know, <laughs> You know, in, in the last collapse or, or economic crisis we had, 08 and 09, uh, there were a lot of people that were really prepared to uh, take advantage. Um, I was not one of those people. I was really trying to not get my car repossessed, right? Like, <laughs> I did not have any of these things that we're about to talk through. Like, I was just in complete financial disarray. Um, and, and so some people came out of that, 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 that season of life a lot better than when they went into it and others came out a lot worse. I, on the other hand, came out a lot worse. Um, and I wish I would have had these, these ideas and thoughts and practical application steps, uh, back then. One of the first things I think you need to do is just take an audit of cash flows and expenses. Like where is your money actually going? Mm. You know, um, one of our, um, automated budget courses that we have, you know, can really help you, I think, unlock and looking at all the things that are actually coming out of your checking account every single month on like on auto draft to figure out like, are you even using some of these things or is it just automatically coming out of your, your, your checking account every single month and you haven't used it in four or five months. And it can be $10. It could be a hundred dollars. The amount doesn't matter because as long as you're adding cash flows positively back into your, your financial world, that's helping you tremendously. Right. And so that's, that's one big thing I think is, is taking an audit of your cash flows and expenses. And a big one is how do you manage your mortgage? Right. Do you have a 15 year yes. mortgage or do you have a 30 year mortgage? Yeah. How and, many people over the last couple of years, as things have been maybe a little bit better, right? You maybe have a little more extra, little extra cash flow coming in has made that adjustment. Well, look, you know, interest rates are lower. Why don't I just adjust my, my mortgage from a 30 year to 15 year, just start accelerating? Because sometimes that is the, that's what happens when we get a little, little money coming in, we get super excited to filling in the debt hole at a faster pace, right? That's right. Yeah. Russ, I remember my dad specifically say to me, Joey, you gotta go to college. I don't want you to end up like me. And you know what my dad was saying is in order for things to change, things have to change. You can't end up just like me. Well, I think, I mean, we, we as parents, sometimes we take on the burden thinking about our kids and, and how we want something better for them. And we want to know what will their future look like if I don't take action, if I don't do something different. See, in my house, I'm the role model. You're your kid's role model. And the buck stops with you. It's time to take action. If you're ready to take action, join us at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport and get started on your own journey to financial freedom. All right, let's jump back into this episode. And, I, and by the way, to your point, JD, when is the time to manage your mortgage? Is it before you lost your job or when you lost your job after? It's definitely going to be uh, before. 
right? <laughs> because if you don't have any verifiable income, then um, you know the, the mortgage company is not going to allow you to refinance anything, right? Yeah. So it's definitely got to be beforehand, not not after the fact. So this is why again, it's it's preparing. You got to be prepared yes. and be proactive. You can't be reactive. Well, and and mm. to to your point, and I'll I'll credit Russ for this early on. <laughs> rare rare occasion here, but early on in my time working with Russ personally he kind of kind of shed the light on where I had cash flowing away from me that I didn't realize was a problem. And, and, and this is a, this is a super good time before things get bad, go ahead and reduce your required minimum payments. And what do I mean by that? I'm, I'm talking about any sort of debt payments. I'm talking about qualified plan contributions. Those things are literally the worst. Okay. Those quit things money. Go, go 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 back. Be very quit. specific into those things. Explain what that really means. Though. Quit putting money away into four hundred one ks and IRAs. These things are the worst. They are literally keeping you in financial jail. Why though? Why why? Here here I am. I'm listening to you, and I'm saying, but my my employer is matching it, Joey. Are you telling me that I should turn down free money? Absolutely, you should. Well, it's because not free money. It's not free money. It comes with a cost. In fact, Russ has been quoted as saying, you can't pay me enough to lock up all my money. You can't. So the and, cost is what? Be clear. What is the cost? Well, the cost is financial freedom, the lack thereof. Because what you've done is you've put money in a place that does two things. It limits your access, actually does more than two things. Number two, it very, most cases, it put you in position to uh, push your tax liability out, which puts you at more risk of them going up. And number three, it dumbs down your ability to expand you as your best asset. Because when money goes out the door and it goes into a place you can't touch, how much time are you going to spend growing you, your own knowledge of what to do with it that would far surpass what Wall Street's going to do on your behalf. Well, and that to your point, to be financially healthy, we need to be educated, right? Like right now, I'm going through and have been for the last six months a rigorous approach to improving my my financial, not my financial, my my nutrition, my health. Like I'm taking all sort of, I'm doing labs and stuff like that, testing for different uh, things, um, you know, food sensitivities you know, consuming more water, trying to reduce certain caffeine, things that are going to improve my overall ability to perform better and also to extend life, right? I mean, I'm measuring respiratory rate, I'm measuring HRV, I'm measuring resting heart rate. And I'm doing things differently because I'm measuring. Joey, we heard yesterday in one of our um, masterminds that we're in that what you track will exponentially grow, right? Well, Me no. Measurement no. enhances performance. Well, what, what you, I, I said that wrong. What you measure and track will grow, but what you measure, track, and report on will exponentially grow. That's, that is more accurate, yes. So what you. we're talking about with financial health, what we we're trying to improve our financial education, and to your point, to reiterate it, is that when we put money in a 401k, we're not increasing our knowledge, right? I can go 100%. research the 10 mutual funds inside my plan, 
Really? You really can't because if you look at the mutual fund, it, it has probably 100 to 200 holdings. How, right. how much one influence could you have and how much research could you do? Because to be honest, they flip a lot of those sub accounts daily sometimes. Well, so you, and, and, and you cannot make any effect on it. So why would you spend any time on it? It's, it's contrary to, you know, uh, what we would naturally do. Well, here, here's the other part is what the cost is in order to get the free money, you have to put a dollar in, right? Sometimes they'll match your dollar. Sometimes they'll give you 50 cents on the dollar. So what the cost is, is that dollar you're giving up access to for the next 10, 20, 30 years, whatever your time frame is to get to at least 59 and a half. So, so does that mean that you actually have control or you have less control? Less. Significantly less control. And when you're trying to prepare for something like what we're talking about, do you want the most amount of control or do you want the least amount of control, which is literally what we're talking about? which is well, step two in everything that we, we teach. How, how much adjustments can you make as the market starts to crash? And as it pertains to your 401k investments? Yeah, yeah. Very little. But, I mean, here, here's the thing is that we can't, can, can we take advantage of opportunities when the market starts to go down? Can we, can we pivot into business areas that we see that are going upstream? Because in the 2007, 2008, 2009 downturns, there were businesses that were taking advantage of the opportunities, right? That's right. But do those opportunities always exist inside of our 10 or 15 or 20 uh, sub accounts listed available to us in our 401k plans? Absolutely not. Never. Probably not, right? Well, I think too, consider this too. So, so when we talk about economic downturn, Right. If, if I have, say, just $100,000 in my 401k, for example, and the market corrects 30%, I no longer have $100,000 in my 401k anymore. I have 70. Like my access to cash just got restricted by 30%, in addition to the fact that I've got to pay penalties and taxes to get access to it, unless I do it on a loan, to which there's now required repayments. And if I'm in a financial um, situation to where maybe I can't afford to make financial repayments, how is that going to work? Well, and you started off wrong though. You said you had a hundred thousand. You don't have a hundred thousand. You understand? You understand? That's right. That's right. right? Your hundred thousand is a is a figment of your imagination. Well, I said let's assume you have a balance. Okay. Well, I'll give you that much. Thank yeah, because the at least twenty to thirty percent of it is not yours. It's the government's. What you're after there, Stallion. That's right. Exactly. They're, okay, they're some, in partnership. Somebody's gonna hurt someone before the night is through i mean it is, it is getting hot in here hey keep on all your clothes though um i think uh, i think i think something else too another practical step and this is something that i think a lot of people don't actually realize that this is a real meaningful way that you can actually save money is reviewing your home and auto policies right this is a place where you can actually and i don't mean calling geico that's not what i'm saying Right. I'm not talking about saving 15% by calling Geico. What I'm saying is, is that is that the, the prime well, Ernie, what's the primary lever that drives the premium in a home and auto policy? That deductibles. The deductible. Right. And most people usually have very low deductibles, which means they have higher premiums to pay for that to, that policy. Which makes sense. If, if you if you bought a house, you just gave up a good bit of your money. You'd rather have a lower deductible. I'll take sure. a higher monthly. And what we're talking about is Let's look at the cash flows. And that what you're talking about is, is a way to reduce your payment. That's right. 
And so if you, if you say have a $250 or $500 deductible on your auto insurance, all that's saying is that you're going to pay the first 250 or $500 of the, uh, of the accident if something happens and the insurance company is going to cover the rest. And so the further you push that out, the less risk it is to the insurance company. So they're going to give you a discount basically on the premium or cut the premium down. So like all of our deductibles are $1,000 deductibles for our, our, our car policies, our auto insurance. And people are always shocked whenever we tell them how much we pay for car insurance because it's 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 like eight or nine hundred dollars a year for both my car and, and my wife's car. And we have newer vehicles and we don't pay a lot, but that's because we have really high deductibles. Well, we used to pay like fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars a year for, for each vehicle. Right. And so when you start to look at what are the levers that you can pull, you can save significant cash flows. Right. Again, coming back to you, as you add it all up, it becomes very meaningful which then leads to what we said at the very beginning is having access to cash. Don't consume this money, right? Don't go out and now, now increase your, your Starbucks budget. I'm not saying that, right? But, but I, I do think that there's some real practical things that you can do to, to also um, you know, increase your cash flows and lower your expenses. Well, yeah. and your- in, in the event of a downturn, what we're talking about is reducing your expenses now. And That's in a right. downturn, are you going to want to spend more money or less money? That's right. Yeah, you're well, it, depends. Reduce- it depends. It depends. But you, you want to wanna... be lean, right? I mean, so I will say this, that the largest expenses in the house is the mortgage, is our taxes, and is in health insurance, right? Yes. So you, you've, you've hit on mortgage, right? You said, hey, we need to consider a couple factors. One, have we over time made, made maybe a slight error in trying to reduce our time frame in which we pay for the mortgage by increasing our payment by going to a shorter term mortgage. Maybe that's a change we want to make while we're not in a financial collapse. Right. We, we, we always say, hey, there's, there's a win. Right now on paper, a lot of our houses have equity in it, but most of that equity is trapped, which Joey, you said the number one obstacle to becoming financially free was what? Access to cash. Access to cash. Well, if a large portion of our wealth is tied up in our house, then we better try to find ways to get access to it right now when the prices are still maybe high, because I, that's another thing. You said a second ago, if my, my 401k balance was a hundred thousand, imagine if my, my mortgage or not my mortgage, but my home value is worth 300,000 and we go through um, a reduction of 10%. Now it's worth 270, right? So this 30 yes. K just evaporated. But what if I could have gotten a home equity line of credit against that? What if I could get access to that cash? Now I could become a real estate investor when opportunities exist. True. Wait, but but yes, but a couple quick things, just as you're actually JD and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, a couple factors when you're searching for an equity line. Number one, get as high of a loan to value as you can. And what I mean by that is most banks are going to limit you to 80% of your value. There are some community banks, smaller banks that will go to 90% in most cases and make sure that they also provide you an interest only repayment option. Because if they have a balance payment, it's just so high, it, it kind of defeats the purpose. And then the third thing I'll say is this, just because you have a line of credit doesn't mean you have access. What I mean by that is in the event of a collapse, the first place a bank's gonna go is to equity lines that are not pulled out and they're going to say, er, we're going to limit the access there. and We're going to drop it or we're going to limit it to substantially lower amount. So get your equity line set up now. And then when the time comes, pull the money out. Do not leave it there or else you will lose access to that money. I'm just, can, just giving can, you some tips. 
can I uh, make a little bit of a disclaimer for my um, uncompliant friend there? Yes, please. One consideration. <clears throat> I'm you sorry, might somebody make. else come in here. I didn't, the, I didn't the consideration that I'm going to make, because I have a lot of credit against my house and it is at 90% and I'm not using all of it. Right. But I'm going to tell you the first thing I will do, this is for me because I'm confident and comfortable with the deal is I'm going to write a check and I'm going to slam that thing back into my line of credit against my life insurance policy, which they won't reduce because my that money's growing every single year. There is no uh, economic collapse on my life insurance policy, right? Mm, that's that's, right. Po that's powerful right there. All right. Second thing, we said the two, the second highest bill is taxes. Now, you jokers said... I should not be putting money in my 401k, which is what the average person out there who's putting money in the 401k is being taught that it's doing what to their taxes? Reducing. Reducing. It's making it go down. So you're telling me I need to increase my taxes. So yes. I should be considering what options to potentially reduce my taxes. Now, I know you're not a tax accountant, so don't tell people what they should do. Just tell them what you do. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, yes. I have. I personally, I'm like Joey and and uh, Russ. I just have more kids. Like that's the best way to lower your taxes. <laughs> just have more kids, right? Like that's the that's it. You want a tax bill or tax credit? Just 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 have some babies. <laughs> Are you getting jiggy with it? I'm. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's showing good. his age. That's he it. Is. That's it. I love it when you call me large father. Um. <laughs> so, so I think. Um, you know, there's there's a number of things that you can do to help lower your taxes. You can things that, that like that we do is we buy real estate, right? Real estate's a great thing that you can do to help reduce your taxes mm. um, through through um, depreciation, right? You have other yes. expenses that go with with, with buying real estate. Um, so that's that's one big one that I think a lot of people miss is is the real value of what you can get from a from from a, a real estate transaction like that if you purchase a single family or or, or a short term rental is the immediate deduction from the depreciation that you're going to get in addition to all the other expenses that go into buying a piece of real estate. But guess what comes in on the backside of that though, is additional income, right? Mm -hmm. So you just did two things simultaneously. You lowered your taxes and then you also helped yourself for, for a financial downturn by creating additional income that doesn't come from your active income. Hey, see, there's a, there's a point I think that's often overlooked. How about, wouldn't it be okay if we reduce our taxes by allowing someone else to pay for them? Come on, yes. gotta preach. Yes, sir. I mean, to me, like literally, there's no vacation that is enjoyed more in my house than one that's paid for through passive income from our short-term rental, from our land flipping <laughs> business, from our yes. crypto mining business, whatever it is, it just it just goes down better, right? It does. So the way you can pay your taxes, maybe, you know, by the way, my tax bill has been increasing for, for the last 25 years. <laughs> But yet the amount of burden on my pocket has continued to go down over the last five as we focused on how to create income streams that I'm not working for. Mm, so right, now, the, the third the third biggie right here is in health insurance, Joey. Yes. This is one that you and I have beat on the drum for a while, but is is even sometimes a harder pill to swallow than getting rid of the 401k. Yeah, you're right. I think uh, people in general have been accustomed to thinking that health insurance is something that they can't accomplish on their own and they can't, they can't solve that. They have to defer to a health insurance company. 
And what we found is health sharing as an alternative that puts us in a position where we're around like-minded people sharing the burdens of others and subsequently reducing the monthly expense for the cost of basically covering those issues. So Joey, um, for you, just to give you, yeah, yeah, what, just what, give you what, numbers. What, yeah, you for numbers. you, what has been your experience? So um, I've been working with Samaritan Ministries for, I guess it's been what, five or six years now. And during that time, we've had a baby. Uh, we've had multiple other issues that have come up where we've had an expense that exceeded the monthly amount that, or the, the amount that was above my, my first responsibility to pay. And it's an amazing process because what you're doing is you're with people who are every month, they are writing a check, not to an insurance company. They're writing it to individuals to help pay the burden that was above the minimum amount everybody agreed to pay on their own. Before, so before, instance, you, before you switched over, what was your family paying a month in health insurance? Oh, it was literally like $2,500 a month. Since you've changed over to the health sharing, what is your monthly burden? It's about $600 a month. I'm sorry, say that again? Yes. It, it, that was not a glitch in the audio. $2,500 down to about $600 a month. And in that process, what the, the difference between, again, submitting my claim to an insurance company versus receiving personalized checks from people all around the country who say they're praying for my family. When we had our daughter, they were sending us cards. They were, they were saying, man, children are a blessing from the Lord. It Amen. was an amazing process. Okay. And by the way, the entire 10 or $11,000 that I paid out of pocket to have my daughter was reimbursed through all these families across the country. I didn't even have to pay a deductible portion because of the way we were negotiated the bill. So anyway, it's an amazing process. You should look into it, health sharing, uh, especially as you're considering the possibilities of an economic collapse. Well, there, there's so many things that we could keep going on and on and on, but that's what we're going to do. But we're just going to do it with those who are with us live. And here's an opportunity. If you're hearing these things and you're like, but how I got so many questions for you. Like, how would this apply to me? You got an opportunity right now, go to wealthwildwallstreet.com forward slash free call. And you can jump on a, on a 15 minute call with one of our coaches and talk about the different options. You can find out is the inner circle, which is where we're about to go in and do a live Q and A that we do every single week. We actually do two of these a week where you get access to the coaches for an hour to an hour and a half. You can be a part of that, but you need to ask the coach, is that a right step for you? Is that where you are? Like, are you at the point where, you know, you've done nothing up to this point to create passive income and you just need to get clarity. You need to be pointed in the right direction. You don't know who you are as an investor. Maybe you need to get on the path to that. Or maybe you're at that step where, you know, you, you've done the first thing, but you don't know how to do the second thing or the third thing. You don't know what the right thing is. And the concept of a potential collapse is a burden. That's what the inner circle's for. You need to be supported. You need to be around other people who are on that same journey so that you can feel confident in every decision that you're making. So I, I challenge you right now, go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash free call and take advantage 
of the 15 minutes with one of these coaches to figure out what's the right next step for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If it was helpful, please share it to someone else who would find value in it. And if you haven't already, take time and rate review. And we would love to hear from you. As always, have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.